You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Um, this is a picture of a quarry near Byron Bay. Um, young Steve, in, this is certainly not promoting this behaviour, but young Steve was young and silly um, in his younger years. Um, probably still silly, um, but trying not to be. I can, uh, many can vouch for that if you've known me for a long time. Um, but there's two spots on this quarry filled with water. And again, don't condone this behaviour. People have actually been really hurt on this spot. So this is not a go do it. But I want to talk about it for a little bit. One is 10 metres and one is just above 20 metres. And um, back in my youth... I spent some time jumping off the 10 metre, but then stood up the top there of the 25 metre with a couple of friends one morning, and we would have sat up there thinking about jumping. Um, And I reckon we sat for a couple of hours giggling to ourselves as we looked at how high 20 metres is. So I can remember remember standing there, we'd we'd take turns. I think it was like three of us, pretty sure Elder Jono in his younger years might have been up there with me, but let's... God forgives, but um, we, I reckon we stood there and we'd look over and just sort of giggle to ourselves, like just, oh, that's pretty high. So, and we thought about, is it deep enough? We assessed the situation. I reckon we assess, assessed for a couple of hours, it felt like, standing up there, each taking turns, looking over, going, oh, what do you reckon? Until one of us, one of us jumped. Um, so, so, they're okay, they're okay. He's sitting in the front row. It's all good. So... Um, <laughs> You can guess who. So, um, Again, don't condone the behaviour, but I want to just talk about that image of sitting up there and assessing for a couple of hours, giggling, wondering what our next move is going to be. That's the image I would love to stay with you as we read through what is the last part of Luke. If you've been around this church for a while, we've been going through Luke with breaks for almost a year. And here we are at the completion of it, And I want us to have that image in our head as we unpack the scripture. Standing on the edge and thinking and assessing and giggling and wondering, is it worth it? Should I? I want us to have a think about that. Should I jump? Thinking about jumping in. You see, we've um, had a look through Luke And we've been asking some deep questions, hopefully, for the last year. As we looked at this account of Jesus, we've been asking things like, is he enough? So I think most of the room, as I look around, I don't know all of you, I think most of you would agree he's good, or he's at least, you're curious about him because you're here, but is he actually enough, is the question we started with in this Luke series. We can agree that he's good, but as we stand there, can we trust him? Can we lean fully in? Can we jump? Is he good enough when it's hard, when we face trials, tribulations? These are the things that we've explored over the last year. Is he good still? Is he trustworthy when we have real health concerns? Can we lean in? Can we jump in fully? Or do we hold ourselves back and look over the edge and giggle? (laughs) Is he good We asked in so many ways, is Jesus worth the risk? With all the options and all the, I say, God's with a lowercase g, the world offers. 
Is he the one worth going all in on? Is he worth the risk? Is it worth jumping in? That's what I'd like to consider as we finalise this series. If you haven't been here the whole time, that's okay. You can podcast the series in Luke. But this is where we've landed today, looking at a couple of scriptures, asking ourselves, what do we do now? Let's have a look. Luke 20, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to open there and start there today. Luke 20, chapter 1. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you were doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will ask you this question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, so they knew, if we say from heaven, then Jesus is going to say, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. And Jesus, I reckon frustrated at this point, got to remember everything we've been through, all the things they've seen. And they're now in the temple courts. They're in Jerusalem. It's all happening. These disciples have known him for three years. Everyone else has heard teaching, seeing miracles. Here he is, and they're back to asking, where's your authority come from, Jesus? Should we trust you? And they can't even give him a direct answer. So he says, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. You can hear the frustration in his voice. If you guys don't know yet, I won't even bother telling you. I thought we covered this that time, Peter, that you walked on water. I thought we covered this when I literally raised someone from the dead. I thought we covered this when I was teaching on the side of the mountain. I thought we covered who I'm coming from, that you can trust me, that I'm worth taking the risk, that I'm worth taking the jump. I thought we had this covered and you can't even give me an answer now. Don't worry. I reckon the Australian is just, oh, don't worry about it then. (laughs) Neither will I tell you what authority I'm doing these things. After everything they had seen, they couldn't be honest. I think they'd been dishonest with themselves. I think they know, but they couldn't even be honest enough to step out or jump in with him now. They're standing on the platform, having a giggle, assessing after three years, should we jump in with Jesus? Should I give this guy authority? over my time, they're thinking over my life, over my finance. Still afraid to jump in. We've spent, as I said, the whole year in this book together. And in this year, we've seen some incredible things of God. We've had some incredible stories. Even the effect, even in the last four and a half years to see the amount of kids running around this place. Even this place standing 40 years later. Testament to hundreds if not thousands of lives changed through this place. Imagine seeing all of that and still not jumping in fully with God. Still not sure, still not handing over authority. And I guess that's my challenge at the end of this book. 
where all gospels lead, are you ready to jump in fully? Are you at the place where you can hand over and say, you have authority? And so ask the question, who's your authority? Not just a year in a book, after everything that's happened in your life, after all the testimonies. You don't have to understand everything about God. In fact, if you understood everything about God, then he's not really God, is he? If there is a creator of this universe, if the universe in a sense or bigger than that is conscious and has a will and it's playing out and came in the form of Jesus to teach us and grow us as humankind and save us, then I hope I never understand that because that wouldn't be God. So you don't have to have it all sorted, but from what you've seen, is it enough right now to say, you've got authority in my life over everything? That's the question I'd love us to ask this morning. Or is it something else? Is it the government? Do they have authority, ultimate authority? I'm not causing rebellion this morning. Do they have the ultimate authority? After the last couple of years, if you're still number one authority as a government, maybe rethink that. <laughs> They're good, I'm not causing rebellion, but is that your ultimate source of authority? Is it your bank account? Is that the ultimate source of authority in your life? Is it your boss at work? Again, not saying disrespect, any of that. But do you hold that strongly or do you hold that lightly in compared to where Jesus has a say? It's good. It's time to lean into and trust Jesus fully. Not with just part of yourself, but all of it. I'm not saying people don't hear. Don't get me wrong. This is just where the book finishes. It asks us to respond. We've stood on the ledge and observed Jesus for a year now. What do we do? So what does it look like? I, I have no doubt, I said again, 90% of the people in the room, I think, have given things over in this room. I truly believe that. I know you. I'm looking around. I know people have given some serious things over to Jesus. But this morning I'm saying, is every room. I think James talked about it in prayer the other week, about not just praying for this part of your life, but letting, I've heard someone say, like the missionaries into every part of your life. Sometimes we need to send missionaries. We're like, I trust God in everything, but when it comes to my finance, I really need a missionary to be sent over there and let them know Jesus is good. Or with my family, let them know that Jesus has got this. Or my workplace, or my family or friends. Have you sent missionaries over there and let them know who has authority? Let me read, because this process is more complex than just a sermon, let me continue to read through these last bits of Luke to give us a little bit of a how to keep moving in this direction. Let me, let me pick up from Luke 24, 36. We're going to pick up from. So this is post-resurrection. So if you're wondering where Jesus stands, he's all in. <laughs> it says he humbled. It says he humiliated himself for you, came to the cross, died, and then was resurrected. And this is post-resurrection. And I think hopefully this helps encourage us as we make that choice. Are we going to jump in? Fully church. Which I'm excited by that question. There's no guilt in that. I'm excited by that. Let me read. Luke 24, 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Jesus just resurrected. He stood in their presence. So that no doubt they're surprised. They were startled, understatement, and frightened. Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Why do, you, why do doubts rise in your mind? Listen to this. 
Look at my hands and feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? He gave them a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. I love this. Humanness post-resurrection. These disciples have just seen resurrected Christ and they're still wondering, should I jump in? (laughs) Says some doubter. We know the classic doubting Thomas, which he gets a bad rap. Jesus challenges him on doubting, but he doesn't say he's a bad person for doubting. I, I, I have definitely days where I doubt. It's a process, right? Be encouraged. The disciples are in the room with a resurrected Jesus and they're still not 100% sure if they're jumping in or not. How crazy is that? But he gives us some advice and he gives some advice for you maybe this morning or encouragement for you if you're looking, should I jump in? My challenge for you would be touch his hands and feet which is called put some flesh and bones on the thing. Give your faith some flesh and bones. What do I mean? If you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure of this Jesus guy and you want to jump in, I'm asking you to put some flesh and bones on the thing. Explore. So often Christian church, we stand up, not just here, every church, we stand up on a platform, we look down, and all we do is assess. We never even try. We never even jump in. We don't even try it. I know there are people, and this is no judgment, I know people in Christendom who can live 80, 90 years and never fully jump in. They spend the whole time with their ticket to heaven going, yeah, I'm not even going to give it a shot. Imagine, it's not, a, not even a guilt thing, but imagine a waste. That could have been, if they're 80, that could have been 79 years living with Jesus, Fully. So I ask you this morning, give your faith some flesh and bones. There's nothing wrong. If you have doubts, lean in. Try something. Give it a go. Sacrifice a little bit more than you would. Talk to somebody that you wouldn't normally talk to. If you're an introvert, pray in a different way for somebody. Give an anonymous gift. Bless someone privately. Push yourself a little. Wherever you are, there's no... God isn't looking for, oh, look at the jump they made. Just little bits. Dig deep. Push yourself. Find some flesh and some bones on the thing. This is so important to God, again, that he would come, as I mentioned, humiliate himself. That he would come in flesh and bones and walk around with us. And in this he'd say, here's my holes, here's my restoration, here's my hands. Look, let me have a meal with you. I want to be with you. I want you to understand what the all-unknown God might walk and talk and look like in the real world. What an encouragement for us to find some flesh and bones, find some holes in your hands, but then also find that they're healed in Christ. Step out. Step out. Don't spend your whole life, look back and go, I wasn't sure if I should have given my life to this or this and just spent the whole time giggling up on a platform. What a waste. God has so much more to offer. 
I'm confident, and you can come tell me if not, you can come yell at me for a bit or send me an angry email. If you step out and God doesn't reveal a part of him, come and let me know. There you go. Send me, you send me an angry email and we'll have a chat. If you step out in some way, in whatever way that looks for you and God, and it doesn't, he doesn't show up, he doesn't reveal a part of the holes and the flesh and bones of living in Christ, because I know that's what he's all about. We're about to remember that he literally is defined by becoming flesh and bones and dying. If he doesn't come and get, I'm waiting for it, the angry email, I know I'll get none, because he'll turn up. And so right now we're going to just spend a moment, we've got one more point, but we're going to spend a moment remembering that right now. A year in this book, another year of stories, another year of transformation. And we see this last season of the disciples make a decision, are they all in? Let's have a, let's have a read of this last part. Literally the last part of Luke, the Gospel of Luke here. Luke 24, 45. Let's have a look. It's coming up on your screen in a moment. So he's appeared, he's met him on the beach. Here he is. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He shows them the story, the ancient story that is all about Jesus. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. He calls them the witness of these things. I'm going to send you, he says, what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with a power from on high. The last message of Luke. In a sense, he says, it's your turn now. I wrestled with two analogies for this sermon. One standing on the platform and another one had in my mind me hitting tennis balls at you guys. Kid you not, I thought about it, to go, your turn, your serve. Literally, Jesus going, you've seen what I've done, you've seen my power, wait for my spirit, but once it comes, your turn. See what you can do with me, in me. Don't stand on that platform, jump in, jump. Give everything, give all authority, he says. He gives authority to them through him. Jump in. Don't hold back. See what I'm going to do. Do you know Luke is actually two books? Actually, sorry, it's two books, but it's actually one book written together. And we're not going to go through it because we've gone through it early and a couple of years ago, but we will eventually again. But Acts is actually the same book. It's actually Luke and Acts, but they split it in the middle through Luke, the Gospel of Jesus, and then what? Their turn, the Acts of the Apostles. It's our turn, Burley Church. Wait for the Spirit. We don't have to wait. It's come. Be filled with that power. Understand the cross and resurrection. Give authority over to him. Claim that power, that fuel source, that guide the Spirit. And then when it comes, it's your turn. Church, the modern church does not need more information. Just Google commentaries on the Bible. Every thought nearly that it could be made out of Scripture has been given 
By all means, read it, but we don't need. When I look around and see the modern church in Western society, I'm talking more widely than Burley, we don't need more facts. It's good to read the Bible, don't get me wrong, but we don't need more information anymore. We don't need even more stories. I love stories, they'll keep coming, but we don't even need more. What we need to do is act. There's never been a season like now where people are so hungry for flesh and bones Jesus walking amongst them in their workplaces, in their unis, in their schools, in their residence. It's time to jump. We actually almost don't need another Sunday sing-along service and time. They're great and they're great encouragement. In some way, we need them to stay replenished. But what we need to do, we need to jump. We need to be all in. We need to live this out now. I think the Western church, no guilt here, has sat up on that platform and giggled far too long. (laughs) It's time to jump in and know that the Holy Spirit and Christ doesn't just live in here. He transforms and builds out there. Amen? It's time to jump in. I'm not talking about a crusade or a rally. I'm talking about you. It's your turn now. It's your turn to fully jump in. Amen. Amen. To grow and experience the flesh and blood, but also the spirit of Jesus working in your life. To carry the full essence of the living water. To offer it to others because it can be replenished. Again, I don't want you to hear us knocking us this morning. This is where the gospel leads. You hear the gospel, you see Luke, and at the very end, this is exactly where Jesus finishes it with. Your turn. Let's do this together. Let's go. He literally says, go. (laughs) Go make disciples. Let's go. And so I'm going to give you three really practical examples because it's all well and true and good in theory. But can I give you three examples to close us up today? Just three examples of how there's plenty of ways that God might be stirring for you to go. So I want to limit that. But I want to give you three things for Burley Church, for our context, that I think we can step out and do. Is that okay? Three things practically. God might be revealing a word to you right now that's completely different. Go. But practically as a church community, here are three things I'd love you to pray about and consider jumping all in with. Number one, and it goes around our vision, invite people to gather. The church, the leadership, and you guys have worked constantly on this gathering to create a space where people feel comfortable. We never nail it completely, But this is designed in a way that we can gather encourage, but it's also designed so people can come. Invite them to gather. We hope that we've created a place here. It's not all about Sundays, but my goodness, Sundays are important. We hope we've created and we're constantly looking to make sure that this place, that they're in danger of meeting Jesus. And so bring them. Invite people. Do you know one in four people would come to church if invited? Statistics show, surveys show, one in four people would come if invited. Invite them. Do you, know, let, I, do you know the worst that can happen? I shouldn't tell you this. It might scare us off, and it does. It scares us all off. Do you know the worst that can happen in Western Australia, like in Western civilization in Australia? The worst, say, hey, would you like to come along Sunday? You seem like 
It might be good. Come meet my community. Come have it. Look, we've even got the... I'm not trying to be a salesman. We've even got the sausages going. <laughs> come. We've got the sausages going. Or maybe it's our praise and prayer on the other alternative. Maybe they like some of those... They remember going to church when they were younger and they remember those familiar hymns and melodies. Invite them to church and then stay for praise and prayer. Invite them. One in four would come. Do you know the worst that would happen? They say no. <laughs> no, thank you. If they're rude or mean, which very few people are that rude and mean openly, <laughs> they might have a dig at you. Don't Bible bash me. Invite them together. Do you know what? We forget that, I reckon, Christians. If we've been up giggling, we forget that, that we can actually invite people here and it's good. It was, it's been, the worship that time, you can't doubt something was moving. Do you know, I was encouraged. Um, I, I asked their permission to embarrass them a bit. So, Deb and Todd are fairly new. Um, three weeks, three, three, four weeks. So, yeah, so I, I won't get you to stand or anything. So, um, but the boys are at the back helping on multimedia. Really appreciate it, boys. Actually, I saw, yeah, I saw them collecting communion cups. Was that right? So, be careful being good at something at this church. You'll um, get on a roster. So... And sitting beside them, and again, I'm not trying to embarrass her, just tangible examples, is Jane, their neighbour who they invited. There you go. I think because they're fairly new and enjoying the community, it only became natural they'll tell other people about it. It's harder, or I forget for someone who's been here five years, that I should tell people about this place. Invite them. And one in four will say, yeah, I'll come. Because they're lost. They want purpose. They want community. They want hope. And it's a pleasure to meet you, Jane. So, thank you for letting me embarrass you guys. <laughs> Not about converting people. It's about welcoming, expanding the table. And so I challenge us this week, invite, step outside, jump in, invite someone to gather. Number one. Number two is invite people to grow with you. What it looks like to tangibly step out, jump at Burley Church is invite people to grow with you. You know, people may not feel comfortable gathering or they may seek more than just to gather. People are hungry right now for purpose in our world, for a way to live that is not anxiety-ridden, that is meaningful, that allows us to build good and beautiful lives, true lives, both inwardly and outwardly. People are, you know, people are craving this. My challenge is, is to jump in and invite someone this week or continue to grow with someone this week. Heaps of different ways to do that. A coffee, go do exercise, catch up after that. Obviously, lad for small tables. It grow with people. Find it. If you don't know one, if you don't know how to start, come and talk to me. It's my favourite conversation. Short of someone wanting to know Jesus for the first time, my second one is I want to grow. How can I do it at Burley Church? Grow with people. Me and my wife felt like about a year and a half ago something was missing in our Christian walk and we realised that since really youth leaders, late teenagers, we had been part of a small group and so a year and a half ago, or about a year ago, we started one at a house again, Wednesday nights, another small table and it just, it was that missing piece, having people around, connecting, opening the word, praying for people, growing together. 
I know there's the ladies. The ladies meet once a month. Sometimes you forget. It's okay. Doesn't matter. I shouldn't say ladies. Ladies and Tim and Daniel. But I'll call you the ladies, but Tim and Daniel know who I'm talking about. You gather and you're always beaming afterwards. You encourage each other. You grow together. Jewel and KYB, encourage, grow together. Invite someone to grow with you this week. Jump in. Let's grow. Let's become more like Jesus. Invite people to grow. It can be one-on-one. This is not a brag thing because I have the time. It's literally my job. Started meeting with young Callum, one of our youth leaders, fortnightly. And then he said to me the other week, I'm going to start meeting with Lockie's brother, Matt, once a fortnight. And I hope one day, Matt fortnightly meets with one of the youth kids, some of the youth kids, and then they meet with someone. You see how fast that escalates when we're growing together. Growing together. It does take a jump because you have to ask someone. It's embarrassing. Every time I've ever met with someone, I still ask the question, was that even helpful? Do they even want to meet with me? If I'm even honest with you, like, do they even like me? Do I talk too much? The answer is always yes. I need to listen. I don't know about the other questions. Jump in. Is that all right? Jump in. And then last one. Invite people to go with you. Either they don't want to come to a gathering or they want to go deeper again. You know, Jesus at the end of, it says, like judgment day. It says one of the questions. He says, when I was hungry... When I was thirsty, when I was homeless, why didn't you feed me, clothe me, or house me? And they say, I didn't know you were there. And he goes, anyone you, any, anyone you did this to, I was there. It was to me. Bit of a misquote there, but you got the point. Jesus is in the go. When you serve, Jesus is there. So if you want to find Jesus... Or introduce your friend to Jesus, invite them to go with you. Invite them to live life with you. What does that look like? It can look like, I've heard of people doing Australia Day, clean up Australia Day, and inviting their neighbours to do it. And you might think, well, that's not the gospel. Well, I'm pretty sure the creator of the earth looks after, wants us to look after the planet. And so when people go, why do you clean up Australia? Why would you give a whole sad day to cleaning up a school or something like that? Because God loves this world. I love this world. There you go. Invite them to go with you. You know, someone in your street is sick. You organise a meal roster for your street. Go with them. Love people with other people. People will ask the question. I've said this before, church. They will ask the question, what on earth is right about you? And I want to know Jesus. You can invite them here. It's not all about here, but you invite them into the op shop here. Serve there. Invite them into food help. Serve there. We have a ton of people that volunteer at this church that aren't Christians But my goodness, they know the love and the hope of this place and they know there's something different. Amen. Amen. I think of people stepping out, being missionaries in this place. I think of Lynn and Merrill and Nikki and others that volunteer at the op shop that are danger zones. They're dangerous women. Because people are in danger of meeting Jesus when they work with them. I think a die, who is an incredibly dangerous woman, <laughs> she's now got an army 
of cooks coming in cooking hundreds of meals, loving people. She's, da- she's dangerous. I never do this. Turn to the person beside you and say, die is dangerous. <laughs> That's right. Again, the boys at the back have put, they're dangerous. You talk with them, serving in multimedia, going. They're dangerous because you serve with them, you're in danger of meeting Jesus. My last one today. I think I haven't had a story. Oh, there's so many other people. Please don't feel if I missed you. I don't, we don't have time. You don't have time for me to list the people either. One more story just happened last week and she's not here so I can embarrass her. I was, um, and I think it just encapsulates this church and what it looks like to gather, to grow, to go and to jump in fully. Bonnie at the back there, who's not there at the back. Um, she is part of a residence that she's been in as a chaplain there and Brad's part of that as well. But recently, they had a community there and a lot of the community came in for food help and a lot of the community started serving at Friday at food help, but then they got moved. They got moved to all other places across the Gold Coast because um, that place actually shut down, I believe. And so they've moved into these new apartments. There's some rough characters in apartments. I have visited before and I've seen people getting escorted out by police. So there's some rough sort of characters in those apartments. But Bonnie, what is Bonnie's first thing that she thinks to do as a part of Burley Church? If you don't know Bonnie, she's got some ailment. She struggles, not a lot of movement. She's got a walking stick. She won't mind me saying any of this. She's got a lot of pain. Takes a lot to get anywhere up anything she serves that friday morning what's the first thing i want to show you a picture she says to us the other day i'm new to this place i want to put on a morning tea for my community and i just (laughs) i just just it's just beautiful she comes in with her groceries stuff that she's brought for them thinking about them because she knows the first thing you do is you gather with these people. I met a few of these people and I could tell you lost people, like most of the world. And she gave them a spot to stand around. She had a word for today on there. They were in danger. I'm meaning Jesus, not just social clubs. And she just loved them. And they just couldn't believe it. They're like, why, are you, why is Bonnie, why are you doing this? And she goes, because that's what we do, she says, Steve. That's what we do as a church. Go into a new place rather than being sad about being moved, rather than sad about losing your home, essentially. I'm in a new place. Time to gather more people. So she couldn't get them here, so she took and expanded the table to them. If you don't know what this place is about, no fancy vision statement or mission statement or fancy words for me could capture more than Bonnie expanding the literal table. She borrowed the tables and chairs from our church took it out there, made him a coffee and under that little bit of shade she sat with him for a couple of hours and just loved him. They are in so much danger of meeting Jesus. Let's stand. That's okay. We finished Luke. We did it. Hallelujah. 
let me commission us to give God all the authority to find the flesh and bones in this world and be the flesh and bones of Jesus to others and then to go, gather, grow, go in this time where people are craving this. Let me pray. And you say whatever you need to say to God in this moment about jumping in. Don't spend the rest of your life standing and looking over and wondering if you should jump in. Give it a crack. Give it a go. Let's pray. Father God, we are... We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for the stories. We thank you for the testimonies. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for this building. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the life change. We thank you for the healing. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your message. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your way. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your restoration. We thank you for your resurrection. And we thank you that you give us the power and holiness of the Holy Spirit. But Father, we know at some point... We've got to jump. At some point, we've done enough study. <laughs> At some point, we've heard enough lectures. At some point, we've heard enough stories. We've got to reach out and jump. And so, Father, right now, whether that is a full jump into Jesus, fully, or whether it's just a part of our life that we've kept back up on the platform that needs to release and go and give authority and jump in, whether it's our workplace, whether it's our bank account, whether it's our family, whether it's our friends, whether it's something we're holding on to and saying, you can't have that, I pray this morning, this church, this room, would just give it all. And if not, at least give it a go because it won't come back null. It won't come back void. We will build something. You will build something in us that is eternal, good, true and beautiful. Whatever that is right now, I pray you give us that image, you give us that picture or maybe this week in our reflection time you you stir and you show us something we need to let go of and give to you and then jump right in and this isn't a dangerous jump the only danger we're in of having is having our lives changed and changing others We're not called to do it alone. You send a helper. You send dynamo, where we get the word dynamite. You send your Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit needs to refresh us, if the Holy Spirit needs to speak to us, if the Holy Spirit needs to remind us, I pray it does that. We need to breathe in so that we can breathe out. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you that you are growing us. And I just pray right now you go with us now. Bless our hands and feet. As we show love, hope and purpose through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more song. 
which is conveniently called I stand. So stay standing. <laughs>